Hey everybody, my name is Aubrey and you're listening to the Faithful Millennial Podcast where I talk about Jesus, Bible prophecy, and world news in hopes to reconnect the millennials and Gen Z generation back to Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here. Hey everybody, welcome to episode six of the Faithful Millennial Podcast. On this episode, it's going to be a little bit different than what we've been talking about. We were supposed to go into detail about um, the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, and I was going to go into detail about that. We're going to save that for the next episode because I kind of wanted to do um, a bonus episode talking about what's going on in Israel and Hamas right now because that seems to be... um, what people have been more interested in here recently, and I did want to touch on the topic. Um, If you're a Christian and you woke up on Saturday, October 7th, and you read the headline that Israel is at war, then you probably, like myself, um, have been able to turn away from the news reports that have been coming out of Israel since then. For me personally, my first thought was that this was serious and that my heart Um, It kind of sank into my stomach because I know that for Israel to declare war, it has to be something really serious. And if you're also like myself, then this has probably consumed your thoughts and something that just keeps drawing you back to your phone just to read more updates and headlines. Um, Every time I hear about another update, it's like worse than I could have imagined. Children have been kidnapped from their homes. Parents are murdered in front of their kids. I mean, I can't even imagine what the Israelis are feeling right now. I do want to make this point um, clear from the beginning. I've seen a lot of skeptics of Christianity and even Christians um, and Bible prophecy skeptics that are just saying things like, oh, this is just another scrimmage between Hamas and Israel. Um, You know, they'll get over it in a couple weeks. And that is not the case. This is nothing like what's been happening between these two in the past. In the past, Hamas will throw a grenade over the fence every now and then. They'll um, get caught, you know, trying to cross the border from Gaza into Israel with a bomb jacket on. And the IDF always catches them. They disarm them. They immediately, um, you know, that divisive plan usually doesn't get too far before the IDF realizes what's going on. However, on Saturday, October 7th, more Jews were slaughtered by that terrorist group than have ever been since the Holocaust. At 6.30 a.m. October 7th, Hamas, the Iran-backed terror group controlling Gaza, launched their unprovoked attack on Israel. They used rockets, they used paragliders, boats, motorcycles, um, other vehicles, whatever means they could, and they infiltrated Israel from Gaza. More than 1,300 people have been killed, including 25 Americans, That number will undoubtedly rise over the next few weeks. Um, Over 3,400 are critically wounded. Over 120 people, I think actually the number is up to 199 people now, from all over the world have been taken hostage in Gaza that were in Israel. And I do want to say this too because it's important to note this, but um, most Palestinians want to live in peace. They want to worship in Jerusalem. They don't mind the Jews for the most part sharing that strip of land. Hamas, on the other hand, is a terrorist organization that's funded by Iran. Hamas are the ones that chants death to Israel and death to America every morning. They literally train their children from the age of five to hate America, to hate Jews, to hate Israel, um, and they hate the United States. 
Hamas has no intention of coming to a peace agreement, by the way. They worship death, and to them, when they shed innocent blood, it's like worship to them. That's like their form of worship. They believe that women and children should be used as a form of sacrifice, and that when their women and children die for their, air quote, cause, uh, they consider them warriors. So they hide behind their women and children, they murder innocents, and they have no morality. No morality. So... This conflict has stemmed from decades of tension between Israel and the leaders of Palestine. So looking back, since Israel became a nation, reformed as a nation in 1948 by the United Nations, um, which, by the way, is a super sign of the end time, since we know that the Bible states Israel will be scattered throughout the world and then God will bring them back into their homeland just before the second coming of Christ. So this is a super sign of the end times that Israel even became reformed as a nation. Um, But the leaders of Palestine who were occupying that land during um, the years of 135 A.D. to 1947, who were mostly Arab descent, um, they've been kicking and screaming at Israel since 1948. They want Israel gone. The United Nations gave these Jews a very tiny sliver of what used to be the nation of Israel for thousands of years. Um, So the real nation of Israel, according to the Old Testament, was actually much larger than what the little nation is today. Right now, Israel is about the size of New Jersey with a little room to spare. And Palestine, the leaders of Palestine, say they want all that land back. They want Israel to not exist anymore, and they want the Jews to not live in that land anymore. They want it to be the nation of Palestine, um, and that's what the people in Hamas are essentially fighting for. Um, the well let's see here so that's that's kind of a little backstory on Hamas and the leaders of Palestine and why they hate Israel um, and why they do not want to go to a peace agreement so Israel's presented many peace agreements to Palestine Um, they just kind of slap it out of their hand like a hangry toddler because they don't want peace they would just want Israel to be gone they just want to they want it to be Palestine again Um, so according to the news this is why Israel was attacked Now, if you want to know my view and my opinion as to why they did this now, the reason is extremely clear. A few weeks ago, if you watch the United Nations General Assembly, um, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, he spoke at the United Nations. And what he spoke about was how Israel and Saudi Arabia were just weeks away from a peace agreement. This peace agreement would essentially bring complete peace to the Middle East, of course, outside of Iran, um, because Iran is the country that funds Hamas, and they want nothing to do with peace. But um, anyway, this peace agreement between Israel and Saudi Arabia would actually flourish the Israeli economy like never before. Saudis have so much oil and wealth, it's not even funny. If you know anything about Israel, it's that in recent years, they also struck an abundance of oil underneath them. So Iran hates Saudi Arabia as well. They hate the fact that Israel and the Saudis were even that close to a peace deal, and they don't want to even imagine what would happen if Israel became more rich and prosperous from this. Benjamin Netanyahu also told the United Nations that they were in the plans of constructing a pipeline that would connect the bottom of the UAE, United blah, 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 Emirates, um, through Saudi Arabia, through Jordan, and uh, I feel bad for not saying that right. United Arab Emirates. That was a tongue twister for me. Okay. Um, through Jordan, through Israel, and that this would connect to Europe for trade. So this is one of the reasons that I believe that this happened when it did. 
because Hamas said they've been planning this attack since the beginning of August. And that's also the time frame when the world kind of learned about this news of the Saudi-Israeli peace agreement. So we also know Iran gets a lot of funding and military support from Russia. Russia does not want this peace deal either because Russia's economy literally runs on fossil fuels. Russia has an abundance of oil most of the world actually gets its supply from. So if Israel and Saudi Arabia both have an abundance of oil, then that would probably plummet the Russian economy even further than what it is now. Um, By the way, Israel has agreed to distribute their oil to the world at a much cheaper cost than what Russia charges per barrel. So that would mean the cost of Russian oil goes down, and that means the Russian economy gets weaker. Now, you'll also hear about the nation of Russia in the Bible. In Ezekiel chapter 38, um, we hear about how Iran, Turkey, and Russia are going to go against Israel. They're going to war against Israel um, at uh, some war at the end times. We don't exactly know when this war is going to happen, but we know it's, it's going to be before the second coming of Christ. Um, I personally believe it's going to be between the time of when the rapture happens and probably before the peace agreement is signed by the Antichrist. I think that's when um, the Ezekiel chapter 38 war will happen. But it's called the War of Gog and Magog. So I don't have time to break all that down right now, but I recommend you read Ezekiel chapter 38 and then come back to me and tell me that this isn't a biblical war. So I do want to touch on another thing, which is the real history of Israel, because that's what a lot of people are not understanding right now. Every time I go on Instagram, there's more misinformation about people posting about this nation of Palestine and how they, um, it's just a ton of misinformation going on right now. And a lot of people clearly just don't understand the backstory of Israel. They don't understand the nation of Israel and the history of it. So um, when it comes to Israel and Palestine, I'm just going to lay out the basics because it would take me over an hour to get into the nitty gritty of the past 2000 years of what's happened in that land. But um, Israel was first formed as a nation in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, when God promised Abraham that he would bless him. It says in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So Abraham got Lot and his family and his wife, and they journeyed to a land called Canaan. Now, Canaan was the land's original biblical name before God renamed it Israel. So in a nutshell, Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob is said to have wrestled with an angel of the Lord in Genesis chapter 32, where it says, And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons. And crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? Jacob responded, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but your name shall be called Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. So that is where the original name of Israel came from. 
and um, where Jacob in the Bible gets renamed Israel by God. So Jacob had 12 sons. Those 12 sons became the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. So that's kind of a quick, short synopsis of where the name Israel comes from. Now, the history of Israel as a nation is complex, and it spans over thousands of years. So the origin of Israel as a distinct nation can be traced back to ancient times. The biblical account in the Old Testament describes the establishment of the Israelite nation, including figures like Abraham, uh, Moses, King David. And if you focus specifically on the establishment of the ancient kingdom of Israel, it can be dated back to around probably 1050 BC when the Israelites first established their monarch under King Saul. So King Saul was um, followed by the reigns of King David and then King Solomon. So the kingdom was eventually divided into the northern kingdom of Israel and then the southern kingdom of Judah around 930 BC. But by the time of the year 135 AD, just to put in perspective, this is about 100 years after Jesus was crucified and ascended into heaven. Um, So about 100 years after that, Israel had a long and complex history. Uh, They've experienced numerous changes, including conquests by various empires that are written in the Bible. Um, You read about the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and then finally the Romans. So in 135 AD, the region was known as Judea, and it was under Roman control. So this was the time period um, when the Bar Kokhba, I hope I'm saying that right, Bar Kokhba, Jewish revolt against the Romans took place, but um, which ultimately resulted in the expulsion of the Jews from their nation. So in 135 AD, the Roman emperor Hadrian, he was in power. Um, He was actually known for a lot of different things during this time. So um, one of his policies was the, I think, the suppression of the reading of the Torah. Um, He suppressed circumcision, and this is what led to the revolt, the Jewish revolt. Um, also known as the Second Jewish-Roman War, and eventually the expulsion of the Jews from Jerusalem, and the whole renaming of the region. So the Bar Kokhba Revolt was a Jewish rebellion that took place from 132 to 136 AD against the Roman emperor, um, which was in response to their oppressive, oppressive policies. But um, the revolt initially did have some success. It was eventually obviously crushed by Roman forces, but they were having some success in the beginning. But after the Bar Kokhba revolt was brutally suppressed by the Roman army in 135 um, AD, Emperor Hadrian, he took several measures against their population. He essentially um, issued decrees aiming suppression of their Jewish practices. Um, Like I said, he banned circumcision. He banned the study of the Torah. Um, He banned the observance of Jewish festivals. And then he also renamed the entire province of Judea, Israel, to Syria, Palestina, which is a name derived from ancient times of the Philistines. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know that the Philistines were one of the Israelites' biggest enemies in the ancient times. So in an attempt to erase Jewish ties to the land, um, Adrian, Hadrian, Emperor, Emperor Hadrian, good lamb, um, Emperor Hadrian renamed the land Palestine. So that's where it dates back to. Um, So if you consider the establishment of the Israelite monarchy in the 11th century BC, Israel was technically a nation for over a millennium before 135 AD. So I know that all of this sounds 
scary and probably confusing, which is why I highly encourage Christians and even non-Christians to study Bible prophecy, because in times like this, when it feels like you're on the brink of World War III, uh, in my opinion, there's no other group of people that can really have inner peace than a Christian who studies Bible prophecy. It gives you hope. It gives you a little bit of peace of mind. Uh, There's so much disturbing things that have been going on in the world, and as chaotic as this war has been, it's also been reassuring to know that God already wrote this chapter in a book a long time ago. And we're in the times of the birth pains, as Jesus explained it in Matthew chapter 24. So while all this may seem all doom and gloom, I do have some really good news, and that is that Jesus Christ is coming back, and he is coming back very soon. It says in Matthew chapter 24 that there will be wars, rumors of wars, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And what this translates to is not that there will be local wars like there always has been, but this literally means that there will be nation against nation. It means world wars. And we have already had two world wars just in the past century and are likely on the brink of World War III. So the tensions from Russia versus Ukraine, the tension in the Middle East right now, um, the world is definitely divided. There's no other book in the world, in my opinion, that can accurately predict things that are happening right now like the Bible does. So I just recommend if you haven't accepted Christ into your heart at this point, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I hope that I hope that these things are getting your attention and I hope that this podcast is reaching people that maybe you're curious and just don't know about these things. Um, but I would definitely open up your Bible. It's probably got some dust on it. It's probably tucked away in a drawer somewhere. But I definitely recommend crack it open and read Matthew chapter 24. Because Jesus says to not be afraid during this time. He says, all these things are the beginning of birth pains. But look up because your redemption draws near. So we have that to look forward to. We have the second coming of Jesus Christ to look forward to. We have the rapture to look forward to. And of course, nobody knows when that's going to happen, but I personally cannot believe we're still here. Like, I am just so, I thought for sure that the Lord was coming back in 2020 or 2021. Um, And even now, I mean, it just, I have such a sense of imminency. Every time I wake up in the morning, I thank God for waking me up. I thank God for the roof over my head, clean water, um, heat, air conditioning. And I thank him most of all for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the redemption of my soul through him. And I thank God for the moment of the rapture when it's going to happen where we're simultaneously changed and we appear before the throne of God. That is just like my blessed hope and I look forward to it every single day. And knowing Bible prophecy and knowing these things will bring you so much more clarity and it will bring you peace. It will bring you joy. You'll be able to raise a family in this world and not be afraid of the future of what your child's going to grow up in because you're going to be standing on a biblical sound mountain with God and nothing can move somebody that's holding hands with God. So look up because your redemption draws near. Um, But anyways, I just wanted to address all of this because I know it's confusing. I know that there's a lot of misinformation. I hope this podcast helped clear some things up. And I really hope that um, if you have any questions to please reach out to me. I did want to reference somebody that I get a ton of my information from when it comes to Israel Hamas. Um, His name is Amir Sarfati. If you don't follow Amir on Instagram or Telegram, 
I highly recommend doing so, especially if this is a topic that interests you. He's a Messianic Jew, and he actually lives in Israel at the um, Valley of Megiddo, which is actually where the Battle of Armageddon will take place at the end of times. He lives literally on that, um, which is just so cool to say that you live there. But he's giving real-time updates about Israel right now. He, um, I think he used to be a general in the IDF, so very, very informative person to listen to when it comes to Christian news, Bible prophecy updates. And then um, Jack Hibbs is another great pastor to listen to for this information. The Prophecy Pros podcast, that's such a good podcast if you're really interested in prophecy and you're tired of waiting two weeks for me to bring out my new episode, definitely listen to the Prophecy Pros podcast. A lot of good information from them. But um, have a blessed week, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode. And next episode, we're going to talk about the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. We're going to talk about the mark of the beast. We're going to talk about um, the death of the Antichrist and how he gets resurrected, the Battle of Armageddon. We're going to talk about the second coming of Christ. So um, hang tight. We're going to get crazy, but have a great week, guys. Bye.